What's going on, everybody? That's my boy Angel right there. Lifelong friends. I've been friends with Angel for a very long time. Doesn't he look so good on camera? It's so hard to find people that look good on camera because you can look good in the bathroom mirror, but that doesn't mean you look good on camera. And he's one of those people that looks good on camera. How have you guys been enjoying this conference so far? Hasn't it been great? Man, I don't know about you. I, I feel like the first, two, the first two sessions of this conference, I felt like there's just like a, like, you know that feeling where you're like choked up, but you're not going to cry? And you're just like, it feels like there's just like a lump in your throat. That's how I've felt for like the past 24 hours. And so uh, it's been an amazing conference. And I know that it's just going to get uh, better from here. Come on, how many guys came to this conference expecting God to speak to them? Is that you? And I, the truth is, is I believe that we have barely scratched the surface of what it is that God wants to do this weekend. We say it all the time in our church. We say just one encounter with God, one encounter with Jesus can inspire a lifetime of change. And we've still got a lot of time left for someone to have an encounter with Jesus this weekend. So we've been talking about this conference with our church staff and with our church pastor. We've been talking about this conference for quite a while. And I remember uh, the first, uh, first pastor's meeting that we had when we brought up this conference theme, uh, Pastor Adam came up with the idea. He's like, oh, I was thinking about this conference. Uh, I was thinking about run with it. And me, I was like, ah, that's kind of lame. You know, like I, that was just the first thought that came to my mind. And, uh, and I mean, what, what it boils down to is he has better ideas than I do. And I just have to accept that. But uh, I was kind of like, oh, man, that's kind of lame. And uh, I think part of the reason why is because I have this weird relationship with running. Um, because, like, so if, if you don't know, because you, you probably don't know it by looking at me because I don't look like the guy. But, like, I ran cross country in high school. Um, I know it doesn't look like that, but, amen, I did. Um, and uh, so I hated running in high school. I hated it. Now I really enjoy it. It's, like, really fun. I like doing it. And, uh, you know, can I tell you something about cross country? Can I tell you part of the reason why I hate it? Okay, it's because cross country is full of, of a bunch of white and Asian people that are about five foot five and 64 pounds, okay? But here's the problem, is these guys think they are the top tier athletes in the world because they can run far. And so what I hated about cross country is I'm the kind of guy, it's like football is a real sport. Baseball is a real sport. Basketball is, running is not a sport. You don't say that to these people in cross country. They don't like that, okay? And so, uh, you know, I went to Villa Park High School. There's not a lot of bullying in Villa Park High School, okay? It's not, it's not ghetto. It's, 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 it's a normal high school, right? Like, it's not like what you see in teen drama movies. That, that kind of stuff doesn't happen. And, uh, and so you always see in these movies, you see, like, the jocks, the football players picking on these nerdy, scrawny little kids, right? And, and you always feel bad for the scrawny kids, you know, after being in cross country, I'm like, you deserve it. You know why? Because when I was in cross country, when I was in cross country, we would meet on the track field. We'd do all our stretches, all that kind of stuff, right? Lame. Who stretches, right? You're 15. Why do you need to stretch? Um, and so we'd be stretching, getting ready for our runs, and here comes the football team, you know, and they're all running out with their, they're all wearing their pads, getting ready, they're all hitting each other, and, and, and the, the cross-country kids are like, football's not a real sport, right? The football guys aren't saying anything, like they're just getting ready to practice. It's the cross-country losers that are like, football's not a real sport, it's not a real sport, and this is what they say, you ready? This, this, is their, this is their big thing. This is like, if you're in cross country, if you've ever been in cross country, this is the gold standard, okay? You say, my sport is your sport's punishment. That's what they said. Isn't that the stupidest thing in the world? My sport is the thing that you have to do when you get in trouble in your sport. Like, whoop-de-doo, you know? They can't run. They can't outrun us. I'm like, okay. There's a difference between running three miles in 21 minutes and running 10 yards and someone 200 pounds running full force at you trying to hit you. Because if you're 65 pounds and five foot five and you're getting hit by a 200 pound truck, you're dead. And so you should just keep your mouth shut. So that's my rant on running, okay? It's my rant. Um, 
But as we've been preparing for this conference, there's one thing that our church has been uh, constantly repeating. We've been saying, give God the weekend. And uh, the truth is, is, it's amazing what God can do if you can just take the simple task of giving him a couple days of your life. And I don't know what it is that you came to this conference expecting. I don't know what you came believing for. But one thing I do know is that whatever you came expecting, whatever you came hoping to happen, that God has prepared something exceedingly and abundantly better than what you could have ever hoped for or imagined. That's the kind of God that we serve. So let me start off by saying this. I am just so thankful to be in a church like this. I'm so thankful God has placed me in Elevate Ministries, but I'm so thankful God has placed me in this community. The truth is, is there is a lot of passionless, visionless, motionless churches in the world. Regardless of how sad that may sound, it's true. But Elevate Ministries is not one of them. Elevate Ministries is a church that's alive. It's a church that's on the move. We're full of passion. We're equipped with vision and a mission to see our world change. And it gets me excited just to think about the vision and the direction that our church is heading. Is there anybody else in this room that believes that? So I'm excited to share a message with you this morning, uh, tonight. That's not new. Um, I'm excited to share a message with you that God has kind of put on my heart. And, and you know, I'm kind of like, you know, Pastor Adam, I saw what you did. You're like, let's, let's let Rex go first. Let's, get, let's let Israel and Rex go first. And then before I go, let's throw Drew up there. Yeah. I know what you're doing. I know what the plan is. And, uh, and I was in the car driving. I was on my way. I went to go to lunch, and I was coming back. And uh, I was on my way back to the church, and I'm talking with my wife. And I'm like, I know that's what he's doing, right? I know that's why. And, and, and she looks at me, and she's like, well, Drew, guess what? One day you can do the same thing to your kids. And I'm like, you're dang right I'm going to do the same thing to my kids. It's exactly what's going to happen. But the truth is, is, I believe God has given me a word to share with you that's appointed and anointed for this time. And regardless of who the deliverer is, I believe God can speak to us through it. <laughs> Hebrews 4.12, a scripture that a lot of us would be familiar with. It's a scripture that says that the word of God is alive and active. And when I read that, what that means to me, it, it means two separate things. The word of God is alive. In other words, it does something to the person that reads it. When you open up the word of God and put the word of God inside of your life, it's alive. It does something to you. It revives something in you. What I've noticed is every time in my life that I've opened up the word of God, it has shifted my perspective on how I perceive things in my life. When we start off our day in God's word, it affects how our thought process is throughout the rest of the day. And what's amazing is the scripture doesn't just say that the word of God is alive, but it also says that it's active. And I find that interesting because in order for something to be active means it has to be moving. There has to be some type of motion, some type of movement to it. And what I've noticed in my life is as I read the word of God, it changes my perspective. But as I come back to the word of God with a new perspective, it does something to me again. Because as I read it, it's not only alive, but it's active. It's adapting. There's, God is revealing deeper things. As you dive back into the word of God, you can read the same passage 500 times. Every time God can reveal a new mystery to you because the word of God is alive, but it's also active. And that's really where this message came out of as I was preparing for this conference. And I believe that maybe God can do the same thing to you tonight that he did to me. Maybe that can be a prayer that we could say before we go any further. God, can you reveal something to me tonight? Can we pray that together? God, I pray, God, as we open up your word today, God, that you would reveal hidden mysteries, hidden blessings, God, that are in your word that we may not have seen, we may not have noticed yet, regardless of how familiar we may be. 
God, I pray you would open our eyes to see a new perspective, to see a new level, see a deeper meaning in what it is that you're trying to say to us. God, take us to a deeper level. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Amen. So we're going to start off Hebrews chapter 12, starting with verse 1, and I'm going to blow through this because I got a lot of notes, and I was going through seeing what's not important, and I decided all of it is. So you're, you're with me. We're going to be here till 11 o'clock tonight. Hey, yo. I'm just kidding. Um, Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 1, it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so... It, easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I'm going to talk to you tonight about three separate things. In the end, we're going to take all three things. We're going to combine them all back together. And the first thing I want to talk to you about is very simple, and it has something to do with running, believe it or not. Um, first thing I want to talk to you about is something called the race. Someone say the race. The race we are running as a church is the same race the people of God have been participating in for thousands of years. It's the same race that we read about all throughout Scripture, and this race will continue to go on until the end of time. The mission, the, the race that Elevate Ministries is a part of, and although I would love to say that this is trademarked by Pastor Carl Friedrich himself, but the truth is, is, the idea of changing the world one person at a time, that's the mission of Elevate Ministries. That's, that's, our, that's our mission. That mission comes from the thousands of years that predate us. That this isn't a, a unique signature thing to Elevate Ministries. This has been a mandate for the people of God for thousands of years. And we can see it all throughout Scripture. Mark 16, verse 15, Jesus says to his disciples, go out into all the world and proclaim the gospel to all of creation. John 20, verse 21, we know that Jesus came to leave the 99 for what? For the one. And Jesus says this, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. This is a mandate that he put on him. Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. Jesus said to the disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. The mission of Elevate Ministries, the, the race that Elevate Ministries is running, is so much bigger than one person. It's so much bigger than you. It's so much bigger than me. It's bigger than one location. It's bigger than one campus. This is the same call that Jesus placed on the lives of the disciples. It's the same call that's been placed on our lives today. And it's been passed on from generation to generation. It's been passed on from Jews to Gentiles. It's been passed on from fathers to sons. And now it's been passed down to you and I. And the God that we read about in Scripture is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Come on, he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the first and the last. All of his promises are yes and amen. And the same God who called men and women thousands of years ago, the same God who used the least qualified people to have the biggest impact, the same God who has brought revival to California before is the same God that is calling you and I to jump into the race today. It's the same God. The same God wants to use you and me to make an impact in our communities, in our schools, in our neighborhoods and to pick up the burden and, and run the race that began thousands of years ago. It's the same God, and it's the same mission. And as I read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2, leading up to this conference, there was something in this scripture that grabbed a hold of me. And I've read this scripture numerous times, but something stuck out different. It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I want to focus on the end of that verse. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. There's something in there that caught my attention. Something about the race that is set before us. And I believe there are two things that can be taken out of this. 
The first thing that shows me is that we didn't choose the race, but we were chosen for it. In other words, God looked at a timeline that spanned all of eternity, raging from the creation of earth all the way to the end of time. And he looked at a map. He looked at the globe in front of him with every location that is on our earth today. And he found a reason and a purpose to place you in this church and in this time. You didn't choose the race, but you were chosen for it. We know this because it's in Scripture, John 15, verse 16. For you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. That word appointed, if young people could understand the truth that's in this Scripture, we would see a completely different generation that we see right now. Because there's a lie from the enemy that tells young people that they have no worth, they have no purpose, and they have no value in their life. That word appointed, what it means is that you have an assignment, that you were chosen, but you were also assigned and you were given a purpose to live out your life, to do something. And what were we chosen to do that we would go out and bear fruit and fruit that will last? In other words, God saw something within you that this generation needs. There's no other reason why God would choose to put you on this earth at this time other than the fact that there's something within you that can benefit this generation. God has placed Elevate Ministries in Orange County, in Albuquerque, in Mexico, in West Africa for a reason. But what we see in the church world today is instead of thinking this way, instead of living with the mindset that maybe I have something to offer, maybe we've been placed here on purpose for a purpose, maybe I was placed here for a reason. What we see across the world is churches full of people that have shifted their focus off of the purpose and the reason why we are here. We shifted our focus off of the solution that can literally solve every problem that's in our world. And we've put all of our focus and attention on the problems we see present in society today. Let me just say this, that gathering in your friend groups on Sunday morning, complaining about the way things are in the world does not help. We can spend 52 Sundays out of the year talking about a new issue, a new problem, a new thing wrong in our world, a new thing wrong with society, a new thing wrong with this next generation. We can spend every Sunday of the year talking about a new problem and never overlap. But as long as the church's focus is on the problem, the church will never be productive. Paul shows us this in Hebrews chapter 12, that we run the race with endurance that was set before us, looking unto Jesus, looking unto the finisher, the author of our faith. We're not running with our heads down. When I was in cross country, there was a guy by the name of Jack Stein. Sabrina Nora would know who Jack Stein, Luke would know too. And, and uh, I, I, you know, I was a pretty solid Christian in high school, but you know, I made fun of this kid, not gonna lie. Um, and the reason why is because he was, imagine me, 50 pounds lighter, but my head was four times the size. And that's what he was. He looked like a walking Funko Pop, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, but we used to make fun of this guy, dude, because, because I kid you not, the direction that his head was leaning was the direction he was running. And so he'd be running, and when the turn came up, he was like this. And he would start going out. And so we just thought it was so funny. We would make fun of him for it, right? Because that's, that's hilarious. But, but when, you, when, when we were running cross country, the one thing the coach always told us is that you, you always look forward. When you're running, you always look forward. You don't look down. You don't just like look in the sky. and You look forward to where you're going. It's the same thing when you drive. You look forward, right? When, if you're looking anywhere else, looking in the mirror, you know, like, if you're doing anything else, you're doing it wrong. But we look forward. What happens when you look right down? When you're driving, what happens when you look right at the hood of your car? You start to drift a little bit, right? You start to swerve a little bit. But if you look forward, all of a sudden, you can drive. It's amazing, right? 
This is what Paul is saying is that we don't run the race with our heads down. We keep our eyes fixated on the finisher of our faith, the one that paved the way for us. We're not just running to get to the finish line. The race we've been called is going to come with some adversity. It's going to come with some opposition. But our focus, it's not on the problem. Our focus is on the promise. We aren't wasting time complaining about the corruption and the darkness in our world. This is something that our lead pastor has shared multiple times, that we don't coexist with darkness. We drive out darkness. In other words, we don't see the rise of evil in our world today and not do anything about it. How do we drive out darkness? It's not by complaining about the darkness. It's not by complaining about the issues. It's not by debating what your opinion is and how it should be fixed. First Peter 2.9 says that you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. But what have you been chosen for? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So the question I have is, when is the church going to stop complaining about how jacked up the world is? When is the church going to stop talking about how much of a lost cause the next generation is? When are the people of God going to stop buying into the lie that evil has the upper hand? Because scripture tells us that when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard against it. And if God has placed you and I here and now, if he has placed Elevate Ministries in this time and in this hour, when are we going to realize that just maybe the standard God is trying to raise up is us? When are we going to come to the understanding that we are the resistance? We are the freedom. We are the ones that are called to rise up and stand against the evil forces in this world. You aren't here just going through life. You've been called to make an impact. We didn't choose the race, but we were chosen for the race. And when you read the book of Hebrews, what you see is is Paul isn't writing to an individual. Paul's writing to the Jewish people that are in the church. He's He's writing to the church. And throughout the entire book of Hebrews, Paul, he's he's encouraging these people to maintain their faith. Hold on to your faith. He's pleading with these people, don't revert back to your old customs. Don't go back to the way things were. And a lot of times as I read this scripture, I read it as if Paul was talking directly to me. Paul was trying to encourage me, keep going, Drew. Run, run with endurance. When, if you mess up, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Just keep going. Run to the finish. Keep moving forward. And although that sounds really great, when we look at the context of this scripture, he's not encouraging an individual. He's encouraging the corporate church. It's a group of people. And what this says to us is this. The race that we've been called to is bigger than ourselves. The race doesn't start with you, and it's not going to end with you. We are all running in this race together. And what I want you to see tonight, the picture that I want to paint for you tonight is this. I've always viewed the race that we read about in Hebrews 12. I've always viewed it as a marathon. I've always viewed it as it's, it's a long-winded race. I'm trying to get to the end. It's a long-winded thing. Run with endurance. Run with perseverance. But maybe it isn't. Because in a marathon, you're running by yourself. You're you're the only one running. You're in charge of your own decision. When you're running a marathon, it's all up to you. But maybe the race that God has called us to isn't a marathon. Maybe it's a relay. Hebrews 12, 2, it says, let us run the race with endurance, the race that is set before us. Not the race that was set before you. Not the race that was set before me. The race that was set before us. The mission of Elevate Ministries, it's the calling and the the purpose that God has placed on our life. It's the race. Is everyone still with me? So we have the relay. And one thing I know about a relay, and it's not much, because I never ran the relay because I was never fast enough. You don't want a fat kid on the relay team. Hey, yo. Um, But one thing I know about the relay is that you have to have something called the baton. 
Someone say the baton. And the baton is what this weekend is all about. This weekend, we're unveiling vision. This weekend, we're unveiling the, the reason. We're focusing on the direction our church is heading. In other words, we're getting our why. We're getting the, the reason why we're running. Why are we doing this? Why is what we do important? We're in a relay. And in a relay, you can't run without the baton. Actually, let me take that back. You can run. You can run and run and run again. But your run has no purpose if you don't have the baton in your hand. And I spent some time in the book of Habakkuk as I was preparing for this conference and I couldn't help but notice how timely and relatable this book was for our church. And, and I read through the three, the three short chapters of Habakkuk and I could see our church kind of in this, this similar position as Habakkuk. And in Habakkuk chapter one, I'm gonna give you a quick summary. Habakkuk, he's, he's kind of upset. He's upset with God. He's confused. He doesn't understand why things are the way in their world. He's saying, God, why do, the, why do the wicked people, why do they prosper and why are the righteous being persecuted? God, why, is, why does evil have the upper hand? God, why does it seem like everything is going wrong for the righteous people, but the good, the, the bad people, they're not being held justice? God, what, are you turning your blind eye to me? Are you not paying attention to what is happening? This is what's going on in, he, in Habakkuk chapter 1. And, and I think if we're being totally honest, a lot of people came to this conference in that way. I don't know if you are aware of the resistance that has led up to this conference. Not only in our individual lives, but in our church corporate lives. It just seems like we've been just getting slammed with problems. Just slammed with things. And not only do we look around and see society and ask the same questions Habakkuk asked, like, God, how are you okay with this? But even down to the specific things, there's been a demonic attack against this church in the form of illness and the form of cancer. And it just seems like it just keeps coming back. As I was preparing this message, I pulled up, uh, the, I pulled up the prayer requests that have come through our prayer hotline. And in the past four months, we received over seven prayer requests, brand new prayer requests for a different person that had been diagnosed with cancer. It just seems like every time, it seems like this has been an ongoing battle for our church. We, we get the news about, about Matt Bogart needing, needing heart surgery, and we're believing that he's healed from that from this morning. But it just feels like leading up to this conference, there's just been this resistance coming against us. And, and I found myself in the same situation as Habakkuk, asking the same questions. God, how can you allow these things time and time again? Why, why does this keep coming up? And then we turn the page to Habakkuk chapter 2, and, and this is where our conference is rooted in. It says in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1, it says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts, and I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. And this is what we are doing right now. This is where we are right now at this moment. We're saying regardless of all the chaos that's going on in our world, regardless of all the things that may come up, we are standing our watch and we're looking to see what God will say to us. That's what this conference is all about. This conference is all about let us see the vision that God is going to unveil for our church. Let us stand at our ramparts. Let, our, let us look out and listen to hear what God has to say. We are replicating the same posture that Habakkuk has in Habakkuk chapter 2. God, I don't understand why the things are happening, God, but I'm giving you the weekend. I'm distancing myself from the distractions. I'm not, I'm not thinking about all of that negative stuff. God, I'm giving you the weekend because I want to look to see what it is that you have to say to me. And the very next scripture, the first thing it says is, then the Lord replied. When you distance yourself from distraction and when you take on the same posture as Habakkuk and look to see what he will say to you, it's amazing what happens next. 
And as we begin to read Habakkuk chapter 3, you can sense this attitude shift that takes place in Habakkuk. He's going from, God, why? Why is this happening? I don't understand. Then you turn the page and he's like, let me look to see what God will say to me. And the entire rest of that chapter is God laying out vision for Habakkuk. He's giving him exactly what's going on. This is what you can expect. And you turn the page one more time, Habakkuk chapter 3. And Habakkuk, all of a sudden, is a completely different person. He's not complaining anymore. He's not questioning God anymore. But he says this in Habakkuk chapter 3, Lord, I have heard of your fame, and I stand in awe of your deeds. Repeat them in our day, and in our time, make them known. All of a sudden, Habakkuk, you can tell he's, he's like encouraged. He's like, God, I, I've, I've heard the vision. I've seen the vision. God, I know what you're capable of. Repeat it today. In three chapters, going from, God, why are you letting this happen? To taking the stand and saying, God, I'm going to listen for you to speak to me. It's amazing what vision does. This is what vision does to us. Vision allows us, regardless of what may be going on around us, regardless of how difficult things may have been, regardless how hard things might be leading up to this weekend, vision completely shifts your mentality. Vision is our reason. Vision is our why. Vision is the baton we need to run. Paul tells us to run with endurance, run with perseverance. Here's the thing. Endurance is easy when you understand the why behind what you're doing. If you can understand why it's important, if you can understand why we're gathered here, if you can understand why there's a calling on your life, it's easy to go through the hard times because you know the reason why outweighs anything that might stand in your way. Once you catch the vision, what you'll realize is that you don't need anything else in order to run. All you need is a why. In order to run, you don't need the where you don't need the when, you don't need the how, all you need is the why. Habakkuk chapter two, the Lord tells Habakkuk, he says, write down the vision and make it plain on tablets so that he who reads it may run with it. All you need is the vision. He didn't say, write down this complicated, detailed, exact vision of what's going to take place and where it's going to happen and when it's going to happen and how it's going to happen. He said, write the vision plain. What that tells me is that you don't need to know the details. All you need in order to run is a little bit of vision. If you can just grab a hold of vision, nothing can stop you from running. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about that there are so many people that will never run this race. They'll never live out the purpose and the destiny God has put aside for them. Instead, they'll waste their entire lives waiting until they have everything they think they need in order to begin. They'll wait until they have all the equipment. They'll wait till they have the best running shoes. They'll wait until they have the best Apple Watch. They'll wait till they have the best equipment in order to start. And this is what people in the church do all the time. The church is full of people that want to do something for God. And they come to every church opportunity that they have. They know all the important scriptures. They know all the right things to say. They know all the right things to do. And it leaves the church full of Christians that are spiritually useless. Because they have spent their entire lives in training. They've spent their entire lives preparing for the run. But they'll never grab a hold of the baton. The purpose on your life isn't, to, isn't, isn't put off. And the purpose that God has for you, it's not put on hold waiting for you to finish a to-do list in order to step into it. God's not waiting for your theology degree in order for you to be used by him. That's not what God is waiting for. All you need, you're at the starting line. All you need to do is grab a hold of the baton and take the first step. If you want your life to have purpose, if you want your life to make an impact, you must grab a hold of the baton. 
The call on your life, the mission of this church, it's not a small task to see our world change one person at a time. Look, there's a lot of people in this city. This is a, this is a big city. I was thinking about it the other day. I'm like, you know, our mission is to change the world one person at a time. We take this, just the city of Orange, forget the county of Orange, city of Orange. There's, there's over 100,000 people that live in this city. That sounds like a pretty good Sunday morning attendance for me, right? Like that, that, would be, that would be pumping, dude. That would be crazy. Sounds good to me. But that's not our mission. Our mission is to see the world change one person at a time. And if we're being totally honest, that sounds pretty ridiculous. But our ridiculous, it opens the door for God's miraculous. Our mission isn't just to change the city of Orange. Our mission is not just Whittier, Albuquerque, Tijuana. It's not just Florida. Our mission is the world. We are going to see Orange County change one person at a time. We're going to see our local high schools be filled with God-fearing teenagers. But the question I have is this. Why would we stop there? Why stop with our city? Why stop with our neighborhood? Why stop with our local schools when Psalms 2.8 says, ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. The Bible is full of stories of individuals, unqualified people who made everlasting impacts that are still in effect in our world that we live in today. And it's all because they caught vision. It's all because they grabbed a hold of the baton. What if every person in this room today could catch that same vision? What kind of impact could Elevate Ministries make in the world if every person that walked through our doors could grab a hold of the baton and begin to run with it? So the first thing is the race. The second thing is the baton. And the third thing I want to talk to you about the last thing I want to talk to you about is this, it's the handoff. The handoff is one of the most important parts of a relay race. Because you can have the fastest runners, you can have the best team, but if the handoff is messy, you're going to lose. In a lot of races, if the, if the baton is dropped in the handoff, the team's disqualified. You're out, there, there is no, your race doesn't count. There's a story that I was reading in Exodus chapter 18 a couple months ago. In Exodus, in Exodus 18, Moses, he's leading the children of Israel. And, and at this time, they have already been through a lot of stuff. And Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, he decides, he hears about these things that Moses is doing. He hears about the things that God has done for the people of Israel. And he decides to pay them a visit. And... and as I was leading up to this conference, I, I, read this, I read this passage of scripture probably about a month and a half ago. But as I was preparing this message, I could not get this scripture out of my heart. It says this in Exodus chapter 18, verse 13. It says, the next day Moses took his seat to serve as the judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. And when his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as the judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will, whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me. And I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. And so what we see in this first part of Exodus 18, we can see Moses is kind of pulling off this one-man show. Moses is literally doing everything. And if I were to put it more into a modern sense, Moses is on the big hello squad, waving signs, and, and then he's parking cars. And then as they park their car, he runs into the cafe, and he's making them a coffee and giving them pastries. And, and then he comes and puts the countdown on, he throws on his guitar, and now he's leading worship. And, and then as soon as he's done leading worship, he grabs the mic and begins to preach. And then when he's done preaching, he, he goes back outside and waving the sign, see you next week, right? And then, but then throughout the week, now he's, he's counseling people and he's teaching all the e-groups and he's preparing for a sermon and he is the prayer team like this. He's doing everything himself. This is what's happening. 
And, and I feel like I can partially relate to Moses in this way. Because what I've noticed about myself is sometimes it's easier for me just to handle everything myself and do what needs to be done than it is to ask for help or get other people involved. And I know that's not a good thing, but, but this is something that I can kind of relate to. And so Jethro comes to visit Moses and he sees this. And he tells him this. He says, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you, you will only wear yourselves out for the work is too heavy for you and you cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring the, dispute, the disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But then it says, but select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, men who are trustworthy, who, who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens, and have them serve as the judges for the people at all times. Then you skip on a little bit further. It says, that will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. And if you do this in God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. So just kind of an idea of what's happening is, is Moses' father-in-law telling him, dude, what you're doing, Moses, you're not going to be able to sustain it. It's too much for you. That, it's too much work for you. And as I read this scripture for myself, I felt like a dagger kind of just went straight through my chest. And as I was preparing for this message, trying to figure out what to say, this scripture would not get out of my head. And the more I thought about it, the clearer it became to me is that we aren't running a sprint. We're not running a marathon. The race we're in is a relay. The race is bigger than an individual. It doesn't start with you. It doesn't start with me. It doesn't end with you. It doesn't end with me. And this is one of those things that I believe goes against our natural way of thinking. God isn't looking for someone that can do everything. God is looking for a group of people that can do something. He's not looking for the individual that can handle everything himself. That's what we look for. Those are the people that I like. The person that I can just say, hey, bro, I'm not going to be there this week. Can you handle it for me? That, that's the kind of people that I like. That's who we look for. God isn't looking for an individual that can do everything himself. God is looking for a group of individuals that, that will say, hey, I'm willing to do something. And I would make the argument that what you accomplish in your life is less important than your ability to, to complete the handoff. It's not about your resume. It's not about who does most. I want you to recognize this tonight. Who you empower will always have a bigger impact than what you accomplish. I'm going to read it one more time because I think you need to hear it again. Who you empower will always have a bigger impact than what you accomplish. I was reading an article about this thing called the monarch butterfly. That's not what I normally read, amen, okay? I just want to make sure that you know I don't sit at the office reading about butterflies. That's the, I, I'm the kind of guy that grabs a wiffle ball bat, and here they come, and boom, right? Like, that's what I like to do. Um, but I was reading this article about the monarch butterfly. And the monarch butterfly is, is there's like this huge following about it. It's pretty crazy, dude. Like, people are weird. Um, but they follow this butterfly because... It's the only butterfly in the world that migrates like a lot of birds do. That it, it migrates from, from Northern California all the way up to Canada, all the way down to Mexico when the winter time comes because they can't survive in the cold. And so every time winter comes, these butterflies, they fly 2,500 miles at least trying to get down to this forest in Mexico where they can thrive in that environment. What I found interesting about this is that this journey, it would take up to four months for them to complete this process. To get from Northern California, to get from Canada all the way down, it took a long time for them to get there. But the butterfly's life cycle is only seven weeks. 
Think about that for a second. The migration that these butterflies have to make, it takes four generations to complete it. And it's repeated every year. They did this study in, in some college. They actually said that if you have monarch butterflies that come by your backyard in the right time of year, they say chances are that the butterflies that are in your backyard are the next generation of the ones that were there last year. And so they're following this, this trend. They're just, they're just completing the cycle. They're, they're following in these footsteps. The younger generations of these butterflies, they're, they're driven to complete this journey. The butterfly, it only lives seven weeks. It takes more than three generations to complete this migration. No monarch butterfly has ever completed the journey himself. They awaken in February, they mate, amen, they lay eggs, and they start the process all over again. So why am I sharing that? What's the importance in that story? I think when we look at the life of Moses, he accomplished a lot of really great things. He freed the children of Israel. He split the Red Sea. He met with God on Mount Sinai. He, he, cre he, he came down with the Ten Commandments, with God's law. He, he made manna fall down from heaven. He had a rock and, and water flew out when the children of Israel were thirsty. He did so many amazing things. And all of those amazing things were done by him pursuing God's promise and the vision that God had given him. But what I want you to understand tonight, what I want you to leave with tonight is this one thought. God's promises are multi-generational. And the most important thing that Moses did, the highlight of Moses' life, it wasn't anything that he did. In Exodus chapter 18, this encounter that he has with his father-in-law, it's probably one of the most overlooked and undervalued encounters in the entire Bible because the most important thing that Moses did wasn't something that he did, but it was who he empowered. Why is that? Because Moses was running with the baton. Moses had the vision, right? We know the story of Moses. He was leading the children of Israel. He, he had a vision. He had a purpose. He had a mindset. He knew what he was doing. What was that promise? It was the promised land. Is everyone still with me? Come on, lean in with me. He, he was given the promised land. He had this vision in his hand, and he was running after it. That's, that was his goal. But what good does it do for him to free the children of Israel? What good does it do for him to split the Red Sea? What good does it do for him to establish the law of God? What good does it do for him to call down food from heaven when the nation is starving? What good does it do to make water flow from a rock when they needed to drink? What good does all of it do if they just died in the wilderness? The promise God made with Moses, it would have died with Moses if it wasn't for this encounter that he had with his father-in-law. Because God's promises are multi-generational. God's promises are bigger than you and they're bigger than me. That's why who you empower will always be a bigger impact than what you can accomplish. And I am so glad to call Elevate Ministries my home because we can look all across this room and we can see young people serving. We can see the next generation starting to rise up and take a hold of the vision, take a hold of the baton. We see it in the Barajas family with Josh and Francia. We see it with, we see it with the young people serving in our services today, the cameramen, the people running lights, people running media, people on the worship team. Our church thrives on young people and that gets me excited because God's promises are multi-generational. It's all about the handoff. Come on, are you still with me? It's all about the handoff. Come on, we're, we're gonna go in right now, okay? So put your seatbelts on. I've been preparing for this part. Here, are you ready? God's gonna speak to us tonight. God's promises are multi-generational. And so every stride that you make towards the promise, it's not just affecting you, it's affecting your kids and your kids' kids and beyond. It's affecting this generation and the next generation and the generation that will come after it. We need to understand, we don't run for ourselves. The race is bigger than you and I. Why is it important that we run the race? Why is it important that we sacrifice now? 
Why is it important that we push toward and push forward the mission of Elevate? It's the same reason why we can't stop. We can't stop now. We can't stop tomorrow. We can't stop 15 years from now because the mission of this church will echo past the life of Pastor Carl. The mission of this church will continue past the ministry of Pastor Adam. The mission of this church will continue after I'm six feet under the ground because this ministry isn't built on a name. It's not built on a person. It's not built on a family. This ministry is built on the God that never changes. It's built on a foundation that never wavers. So we will continue to push forward. We will continue to drive back the evil forces in our world. We will continue to stand for what's true and what's holy. Listen, we aren't building a church. We're not building, a, we're, not, we're not just putting together a building. We're not just trying to acquire property. We're not just trying to do all this. We are building an altar for the next generation and the generations to come to experience the life-changing power that is only found in Christ. And we're not doing it for ourselves, but the work that we put in today, everything that we build today will be the foundation for the next generation to build upon. Moses may have never lived in the promise, but the generations that followed him did because of his obedience to pursue a promise that he was never going to be able to experience for himself. Think about how much more of an impact your life has beyond yourself. A lot of what we're pursuing in this church, I want to instill it into your mind right now. It might not come to pass in your generation, but your generation is not the only generation we're thinking about. This is a ministry that we want to continue until the end of time, until Jesus returns himself. And so we will continue to push forward. The life that you live today, it affects the life your children will live tomorrow. The decisions that you make today will affect the next generation's opportunities. The reason why you can't give up, the reason why you can't, I'm talking to you individually, the reason why you can't give up on your marriage, the reason why you can't give up on your kids, the reason why you can't give up, uh, you can't believe the lies about the next generation, the reason why you can't throw in the towel when it gets hard, the reason why you can't turn back into your old way of living, the reason why our only option is to press forward is because the race didn't start with you and it doesn't end with you. The relay race, it doesn't start with one person, but every person is required to finish their leg. You are responsible for finishing your leg. Your calling is to grab a hold of the baton. Your purpose is to grab a hold of the vision and run with it and run as hard as you can and as fast as you can because your effort and the outcome of your leg affects the next person running. We are preparing the way for the future generations to continue the race that we are continuing that was passed down to us for generations. But it doesn't end there. We have to complete the handoff because God's promises are multi-generational Psalms 105 God's steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations Psalm 103:17, the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children we are running with the same promises that have been passed down from the generations that came before us. The same God that promises victory, the God who promises prosperity, the God who empowered David to take down Goliath, the God who empowered Gideon to defeat an army, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob is the same God that's with us today. And his promises are just as true today as they were back then. When I was preparing this message, I was having a little bit of a hard time with it. And I remember I was getting to this part of this message and I think part of the reason why is because I think I can see what I'm saying with a different perspective because of the fact that, that, that I have a following generation that I can look at right now. And I can look at, I can look at my kid, I can look at our baby girl. And, and when I was writing this, I could, I could I felt like I was writing, and it had, a, it had a deeper purpose to me. Like, I could relate to this a lot better. 
and I, I, I started to get emotional when I was writing this. And it, that, doesn't, that doesn't happen to me a lot. And I was sitting at my desk. I shut the door because there were people in the office. And I was like, nope. So I shut the door, turned on the, turned on the music really loud. You know what I'm talking about? And I just began to, like, really cry. It was weird. I just began to, like, really cry. And I just started thinking just because of how thankful I am for the sacrifice that my grandparents made and the same sacrifice that my parents have continued to make. And the reason why is because I can look forward into the future of not only my life, but the future generations of my family. And they will be able to live in and continue to push forward the generational promises that were, in, that were unleashed in our family because of, because of the obedience of the people that came before me. Let every effort that I make and every step that I take be a head start for the generation that follows me. Every land and every enemy that we defeat let it be something that the next generation is already victorious over in a battle they don't have to fight. Every platform that we build, every building that we acquire, every land that we take, let it be the inheritance of the people that will come after us. We aren't working in vain. We're not running without a purpose. Every step that you take is preparing the way for the next generation to take a hold of the vision and begin to run with it. And just like my grandfather did for my family, you can unlock the generational promises that God has put aside that he wants to unleash to yours. There are generational blessings generational promises that God wants to unload onto your family. There's blessings that he wants to unload onto your kids. And this is my call to you today. Are you ready for it? This is my challenge for you today. Don't let the promise die with you. God gave Moses a promise. He said, you're, you're, gonna leave, you're gonna take the children of Israel, they're going to be in a land flowing with milk and honey, they're gonna be prosperous. It was a promise that God gave to Moses. But the truth is, is that promise wasn't for Moses. It was for the descendants that came after him. And that promise could have died with Moses. And it wouldn't have affected Moses at all. He wasn't going to live in it anyways. He wasn't going to experience it anyway. What difference did it make for him? We need to understand that our life echoes beyond our last breath. The decisions we make today we're either taking one step closer to the promise or one step further away from the promise, not just for us, but for the people that come after us, for your kids, for your kids' kids. Don't let the promise die with you. We need to break out of this selfish mindset and understand that God's vision is bigger than ours. Yeah. God's timing is different than ours. This message, it, it means a lot more to me now because now I can understand, I can physically see, I can realize that every effort I make in my life today, it goes beyond my life, but it will carry on through the generations that will follow me. And that affects the decisions that I make. And so I know there's a lot of people in this room that I know life has been hard. I know God has probably made you promises and you're kind of sitting there saying, God, when is it going to happen? When is it going to come? Life is difficult. Life has trials and tribulations. It's going to be hard. But let me encourage you today. You're not just running for yourself. 
God has given you a promise. God has given you a vision. And you need to grab a hold of that vision. And regardless of how hard it may be, regardless of how much work it may be, you need to finish your leg with every effort and every ounce of energy that you have. And you need to hand off the baton to the next person and let them continue the race. Because the race that we are in has been going on since the beginning of time. And it's not going to end with this church. It's not going to end with this generation. And so it's our responsibility to grab a hold of the vision and hand it off to someone else. Come on, stand to your feet wherever you're at today. And come on, I think this is a calling that we can all relate to, regardless of how old you are or how young you are. The calling is the same, to grab a hold of the vision and hand it off to somebody else. I don't care what your situation may look like. I don't care how difficult life may be right now. Your calling is the same, to grab a hold of the vision and carry it on to someone else. You see the generational blessings in the families today. You see the general ble generational blessings that flowed from the decisions that Pastor Carl made and, and Pastor Adam made. I want to tell you today that you can unlock those blessings for your family by your decisions. Maybe you came from a broken home. Maybe you came from a broken family. I recognize that I had it easy growing up. I'm not afraid to admit that. I've had many of talks with, with certain guys and the youth about this. I'm not afraid to, to, to admit the fact that God has abundantly blessed my life. But I also recognize a major reason why was because of the decisions of the people that came before me. And so look, your, your situation might be different from mine. You might come from a rougher background. You might come from a different kind of family. But stop using that as an excuse. And let me tell you today, rather than complaining about it, why don't you start to unlock those blessings for your family? Because the same decisions that were made in the generations before me are the same decisions that you can make. And all that decision is this, it's yes. God, whatever it is, yes. Whatever you call me to, yes. Come on, so wherever you're at in this room, if this message is spoken to you, if you have a burden in your heart right now that I need to hand off the baton, I need to start to unlock the generational blessings for my family, I need to start saying yes, if that's you, I would encourage you, come flood this altar right now. This is a decision that we need to make as the people of God. We're not going to let the promise die with us. We're not going to let it die with our generation. We're going to hand it off to the next, and they're going to hand it off to the next. And Elevate Ministries will be a light that will not go out, and it will echo throughout all of eternity because of the decisions of the people of Elevate Ministries that they made. Come on, let's commit it to God right now. Lift your hands. Come on, Father God, we commit to you right now, God. We're going to complete the handoff. We're going to run all the way to God. And we're going to do everything we can to see the next generation thrive because of the decisions that we made today. God, we give you the option right now, God. We're giving you our full attention, our full effort, Father God. We're going to run the race. We're going to grab a hold of the baton yes. and we're going to hand it off to whoever's next because you are the same yesterday, yes, today, and yes, forever you and your promises remain oh, today, yeah. yesterday, oh. and forever. Every promise that you've ever spoken is yes and amen. So Father God, we grab a hold of it tonight. Yes. Oh, come on. Open the heavens 
responsibility. Your leg is your responsibility. I want to share one more scripture with you. Psalm 78, verse 4 through 6. It says, tell the coming generation of the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. For he has established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children and the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn and arise and tell them to their children. There's a testimony in this church. And I think we can echo this scripture for us today. That the vision of this church, the mission of this church to see this world change one person at a time, that that is our testimony. And it's our responsibility to share it with the generations and the generations to come. God, there's nothing I want more in my life, God, than to have an impact that goes beyond my life. I don't want the impact of my life to die with me, God. I don't want the promises you've put on my life to die with me. God, let every decision that I make not just be fueled by my desire, but God, my decisions would be made from the thought process of knowing that my decisions don't just affect me, but they affect the people coming after me. Come on, that needs to be our decision as a parent. That needs to be our decision as a leader in the church, that every decision that you make, it doesn't just affect you, but it affects everyone that comes after you. Every step that we take is a step that the next generation doesn't. So why would we not put all of our effort, why would we not do everything we can to give the best chance and the best opportunity for those that will come next to continue to establish the kingdom of heaven here on earth. That's my challenge to you today. Don't let the promise die with you. Who you empower, it'll always have a bigger effect than what you can accomplish. I love the fact that I'm in a church that empowers people. Come on, don't you? Don't you? Come on, are you guys thankful for Elevate Ministries? Come on. Come on, can we make some noise tonight? God, I'm so thankful for this house. Yes, Lord.